everybody. Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show. I'm your host, Elise. Welcome to my living room on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, broadcasting live as usual. So today, episode 15, we're talking about tips for budgeting your money. Um, Toxic relationships. Are you in one? Have you been in one? And wait, this is actually my favorite thing that we're talking about. This year, money is tight for a lot of people, and obviously it's the holidays coming up, so we're talking about free Uh, or costing very little money, um, holiday gift ideas. And I love that. Anyway, so take a sip of your drink, stay tuned, and talk to me, Elise. Okay, back to the day. You're never going to believe this. When I heard this, I was like, this can't be true. Okay, everybody knows and loves ketchup, right? Well, you know, ketchup used in the early 1800s, ketchup wasn't ketchup. It wasn't a condiment. It was medicine. Can you imagine that? It literally... People thought that ketchup can cure diarrhea, indigestion, and other digestive issues. And it wasn't really until 1870 that Heinz bottled this all up um, and, and thought it would be better as a condiment. Isn't that hilarious? And by the way, ketchup to cure indigestion, like sometimes the acidity in ketchup bothers people, you know? But they, they had it in pill form. They don't create ketchup in pill form. Can you imagine? Can you imagine one day someone being like, you know, I think aspirin tastes better, would be taste better as a, as a condiment. That's essentially what happened. Anyway, that's a fact. So how are you? How was your week? Election, big week, no matter which way you swing. I think that at least here in Manhattan, no matter which way you swing in Manhattan, people were happy. They were happy. They were bright. They were walking around. And you know what? I have to say, while it doesn't matter which, which side you go on, because Sometimes if I'm posting something on Instagram or TikTok, people are saying, oh, you think this or oh, you think that. And I'm, yeah, please, I, I, I'm not doing politics. I'm just not. But what I will say is that it is nice to see everybody just walking around in a, at least here in this city, in a better mood because everybody was just freaking depressed. And I, you know, and that obviously was the election stuff, the nervousness of the election, but it's also obviously COVID and then all this other nonsense that's gone on and the worst year ever, 2020. So that was a we that was a big that was a big weekend for all of us, right? But but you want to know what? Let me tell you something. I actually has also had an extra big weekend, okay? Because I my boyfriend is um, a creature of habit, and he likes to do the same things and try the same thing. Well, he doesn't try anything. I should say he likes to do the same things, eat the same thing. So this weekend, I said, baby, we are branching out. We're branching out. I said, you are going to try a new cuisine. So I gave him an option. I said, Japanese. He's never, if you could believe this, if you could believe this, he's in New York or living in Manhattan. He's never had Japanese. Um, Thai food. I told him we could try udon, also Japanese, you know, like noodles. Or I said Indian. He's never had Indian. He, 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 he's not an adventurous eater. I don't even know if that counts as adventurous. All these things are like normal, right? But anyway, we went to a Thai restaurant. That's what he picked. I said, okay, Thai food is similar-ish to some things that you like in the Chinese cuisine. Like he likes Chinese fried rice. Obviously in Thai cuisine, they have fried rice. So I said, you know, this is, you might like this the best. Um, I mean, what am I going to do? Take him to India and have him get like garam masala or something? Guy will die. You know, he'll die. He, he hasn't ever had that kind of flavor profile before. He doesn't know how delicious it is. But anyway, so we went to a Thai restaurant. Um, I, I had uh, pad si u, which I normally get. 
Um, I always think that's such a funny name, but it's, you know, it's these, the broad, it's broad noodles. If you never had it, try it. You know, it's pad thai is the one with the peanut sauce, as you know, you know, obviously you know that with the glass noodles, but pad siu, I feel like isn't as common. It's just like broad noodles. It almost looks like a pappardelle macaroni sort of noodle, um, pasta, I should say. More mainstream, us Italian people from New York, sometimes we call pasta macaroni, no matter the shape. But anyway, so I got pad siu. He had some, you know, Thai fried rice. He liked it. He liked it. He branched out. I was so happy. He, I, I was really so happy. And I, I, you know, and it sounds so silly, like, oh, we, we went to a Thai restaurant. But for this guy, for this guy to go to have something different, I'm telling you, it's a big deal. You know, that's a good thing and a bad thing, guys that don't like, you know, change. But anyway, okay, so um, obviously it's the holidays coming up. Last week I did a holiday recipe, coin casserole. I decided uh, from now until um, the end of the holiday season, I'm going to be doing a holiday recipe on every podcast. So maybe we'll have like four or five, I don't know, holiday recipes, no matter, depending on how many podcasts uh, come out between now and then. But so this recipe... This recipe, let me tell you where I got this recipe. This is a soup recipe. Okay, let me tell you. I was talking to my grandmother a few years ago. Hi, Nani. She doesn't listen to podcasts, but hi. And um, she said to me, Elise, if you're ever having a dinner party, you know what's an easy, nice kind of appetizer to serve? And I said, what? And she said, if you want to have a little first course, and uh, she said, you could just get some chicken broth and, and, you know, bring it to a boil and put some tortellini in there, you know, like frozen tortellini. And you just serve it with a little bit of like black pepper and grated cheese on table. She said, it makes such a nice um, first course if you're having that kind of dinner party. And I actually never done that before, but it always stuck with me because it is so easy. It's such an easy thing, right? But anyway, I made kind of a version of that this weekend, although not the holidays. Um, It was a tortellini soup with spinach. And, you know, it was really good. And it was so easy to make. One of my friend's mothers told me about this. Um, She makes it a lot. It's sort of cheap and easy and quick. And you could get dinner on the table and serve it with nice bread. But then I thought, you know what? Kind of like with this, my friend's mother giving me this recipe, plus with my grandmother's ideas of, oh, if you have a holiday party, you know, a dinner party, you could use this as a first course. I thought that this recipe could be nice, like on Thanksgiving or if you're doing you know, a simple sort of a Christmas day or Christmas Eve and you want to have something in the beginning, not break your back, you know, cooking it. This is nice. Totally a new soup of spinach. Let me tell you how I made it. So about a table, you know, big, like a pot, stock pot. I use a five-quart pot. A tablespoon of olive oil, <clears throat> about, um, you know, eight ounces of bacon. You can also use pancetta. Pancetta is more classy, but all I had was bacon. Um, a few cloves of garlic, sliced thin. A 14-ounce can of crushed tomatoes, about eight cups of chicken broth, and I had one bag of cheese tortellini in my uh, freezer. It was like a 10-ounce bag of uh, frozen cheese tortellini, and um, I also uh, had a bunch of fresh spinach. It was, you know, it wasn't actually a bunch. It was one in one of those clear boxes things, you know, in the produce, but I used the whole thing of that and salt and pepper. So all I did, all I did was I took the pot, I put the oil in the pot, I added the pancetta with the bacon. I'm saying pancetta because I feel like that's probably the nicer thing to use if a holiday. But I added my bake. I what I did was I put my bacon in there. I sauteed it until it was crisp, about five minutes. Then I put the garlic in. I sauteed that until it was golden. You know, another minute or two. Then I put the can of tomatoes in. I cooked that for another I don't know a couple minutes. Then I put the chicken broth in. Okay, brought the whole thing to a boil, and then. 
dropped the tortellini in, cooked it for maybe, I don't know, three, five minutes. And then once the tortellini kind of all floated to the top and they were sort of puffed up and, and I could tell that they were soft, of course, I poked a fork in there and I ate one, of course. I then put the spinach in, let it wilt a little bit, cooked it for a couple other minutes, and that was it. That's the whole soup. So I, I obviously, when, it was, when we were all sitting at the table, I put it in bowls and I served it with some Parmesan cheese and, uh, and black pepper. And it was delicious. Literally delicious. It's like a spinach tomato tortellini soup. But so easy. And I feel like it actually looks like it takes more work than it was because, you know, nobody's thinking that you put in a can of tomatoes in the soup, right? I don't know, a tortellini soup. Anyway, I totally recommend. If I was hosting Thanksgiving or something like that, that's something I could see myself making. You know, I could have like a little cold antipas when people come over. And then when everybody sits down, I want to just have something in front of them. And, you know, maybe instead of a salad, you know, do a little soup. I love that. Anyway, so... Oh, and by the way, I should say, Italian people sometimes serve, like, macaroni as the first course. Like, they'll put, like, lasagna on the plate or big ziti. And I'm all game for that. But, my God, you're so full. Anyway. Okay, so one of my friends just got out of a relationship. Um, I feel bad for her because she really loves this guy. She still, well, she loves, loves. Did I say loves? I don't even know. She loves him. She loved him in the relationship. She still loves him. But the relationship was toxic. And she knew it was toxic. And the thing with that, you know, we were talking about is that it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. She's like, Elise, she's like, she has no kids or whatever. She's like, and she wasn't married, but she's like, Elise, I, uh, I just really love him. We've been together for so many years. She's like, and there's obviously shitty things that are happening in the relationship as time goes on and da, da, da. And she's like, but I don't want to go out and try something new. I don't want to go find somebody new. And, you know, we wound up talking about was like it's sort of we all do this it's like you do you stay in something that you know isn't maybe so great or has deteriorated or could be toxic and that's the devil you do know or do you jump ship and do the devil you don't know right so she was doing the devil she does know and she just said fuck it I love him whatever but but the thing is is that it was toxic and the reason why it was toxic there wasn't there wasn't it wasn't like insane toxicity like it was violence and and any sort of abuse like that but it was like subtle you know that subtle shit that goes on you know what I'm talking about right and so I feel like it's worth talking about and like look I let me just say there's huge there's the huge big huge toxic sign you know flags right and those are like violence and abuse and like harassment and and the second those hey, listen if you're in a relationship and that shit happens if you're being abused I mean or there's some like violence going on you know it's toxic um but then you know like another big thing that we sometimes overlook is like does your relationship stop making you happy like instead of like being happy to do something with the significant other on the weekend do you all of a sudden are you like angry and upset maybe like anxious, do you, how, how about this, okay, do you feel like when you're hearing your friends talk about their husbands or boyfriends, like, are you feeling like you're missing out, like, you almost feel envious, you know, of, of their air quotes happy couples, I feel like that, um, when you, when you were so happy for a long time, and then all of a sudden, you just feel, well, I shouldn't say all of a sudden, over time, you then feel like, you know, sad, and angry, and anxious, um, you know, that's a sign of, toxic relationship it's not like toxic like it's not doing you it's not making you healthy it's not it's it, it, it's affecting your health 
your personality, your self-esteem, you know, and that's like kind of like when you got to go to therapy, right? Some people, of course, I should say, by the way, you might hear beeping, it's because I'm blowing up, but some people, look, some people will say like, I'm in this relationship for, you know, 12 years and how am I not going to feel angry sometimes? Of course, it's okay to feel angry. That's healthy. Of course, it's okay to feel sad sometimes, but if it's all the time, doom and gloom, you know, anyway. Okay. But so though I feel like those are those are like a couple of the big things, right? But then there's these subtle things which happened to my girlfriend. And I'm just going to read you off a list. I have it written down in front of me. Read you off a list. Her and I put together a list of all the things that are kind of like what happens in a toxic relationship, you know, according to us. So let me tell you. So okay, here here it is. It, it's a bunch of things, right? Do you are you feeling drained? Um a lack of trust? Is the atmosphere hostile? Um are you being judged? Is he judging you, comparing you to other people? Do you feel like you're the one that's giving? Like it's sort of all take and no give? Um, is he unreliable? Um, I'm sorry. Is he a narcissist? This is a big one. You know, if, if the relationship is really only just sort of like a reflection of him or her, you know, how could you ever have any kind of balance, you know? Okay, so is it negative? We talked about, obviously, having a relationship that doesn't communicate. If there's disrespect, you avoid each other. Um, there's, it's control. There's a lot of control issues that, that go on. Drama that never ends. Um, challenges, like, you know, like just constant challenges though. Because all relationships have challenges. But she, in her thing, she was like, it was always an issue. It was, oh, it was just always a challenge. It was always something, some hurdle to overcome. Okay. The other things we came up with are unworthiness, um, entrapment, you know, like, are you, is are you and your significant other are you positive reinforcements for each other or are you there cuz like are you there in this relationship cuz like you don't see any way out like entrapment you know are you being undermined um are you always uncertain envious um how about like victim like you know is one of one you or him one of you or her playing the victim all the time um dishonesty, unhappiness, you know, no self-worth. So we, we put together this huge list when we were talking about this on just what we think are things that go on in a toxic relationship. And I just want to say that, like, look, a relationship, um, you know, listen, we all are in relationships and they ebb and they flow and there's good times and there's bad times. And they say, like, oh, you know, stick it out and ride it out. But if, you, if you're going through a tough time, which is what I said to her, if you're going through a tough time and you went to therapy – together and you can't figure out a way to work on it or you know you're both unwilling or there's some things that people won't budge on you know it might just be toxic it doesn't have to be toxic from out of the gate it could like grow into a toxic relationship you know I feel like a lot of younger people are always so willing to like jump ship they're like ah this isn't working fuck it I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go you know find somebody new I don't think that relationships obviously should be disposable like that but like come on my girlfriend, I don't want to say what, what she was going through because, I, you know, I don't want to air her dirty laundry. But it was a lot of those subtle, that subtle list I just sort of rattled off. Like the narcissism, you know, that was a big one. Always being compared. Like, I mean, come on. If, if your boyfriend is comparing you to his friend's girlfriends or wives all the time, like how are you ever going to feel good about yourself, you know? I, I, anyway, so the, the signs of a toxic relationship according to me, um, and my girlfriend. Okay. So I, I want to just say this year has 
been incredibly tough for so many of us. There are so many Americans not working. We all know, we all sing the memes everywhere. 2020 is the craziest year ever. They actually, I read, read something recently that they say 2020 is the most difficult year in modern history that we've ever lived through. Um, but one of the things, obviously, that um, sucks about 2020 is, you know, when it's the holidays or birthdays, gift-giving times, you know, you might not be in the money. And I think a lot of people this year are going to be struggling more than ever. Um, you know, they want to still, of course, they're going to still celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever holidays you celebrate. And, of course, they want to still get their family and friends and significant others presents, but they might not have, you know, they might not be able to do the gifts they would normally do. They might not be able to walk in the gap, you know. So, okay, so I put together a list of what I thought was so cute, a few really cute free presents you can give people in your family or your husband and your boyfriend. I I love these ideas. I really do. And by the way, even if you're not like struggling, right? Like or you know, or, or you're short of cash, like they're just nice things to do. Like they're just thoughtful. And those gifts sometimes go way further than picking up you know, scoff and a pair of socks from the gap. Anyway, okay. A year's worth of outings. Number one, a year's worth of outings. Oh my god, I love this. So Basically, you have your index cards, your paper, and you write down 12 free dates that you can do and put the month on it. June, picnic, you know? July, put a blanket down, watch the stars. Like, corny, but cute, right? I think that's such a cute idea. And you you just wrap it up. Wrap it up in a little paper and give it to the person. Love that idea. A year's worth of dates. Um, The second idea that I love is putting together a time capsule for the other person, I don't know, like when you were little, when I was little, me and my neighbor, my neighbor friends, my little friends on my block in Staten Island, we were like obsessed with time capsules. We thought we were going to make one. We put all a bunch of, we put a bunch of shit in shoe boxes. Like, I don't even know, like troll dolls, you know, probably the ones with the jewels in it. We put in a shoe box and like buried it in one of our front lawns. I know none of those kids are wa- uh, reading, reading, uh, listening to this podcast right now, but we really did bury it. And obviously the, the, the shoe box disintegrated, but it was a cute idea, but I love the idea of time capsules. Um, and by the way, I'm watching this Oak Island, like treasure hunt show on the history channel lately. And so it's like, has me on time capsules even more, but anyway, so you get a box, you get the lock or whatever tape. And basically you put all your memories from this past year or from the inception of your relationship. So like maybe a little piece of clothing or ticket items or a business card from restaurants you went to. And you basically, you know, put on the top, like, don't open till this day. So maybe you put, don't open till your anniversary or don't open it till next Christmas. And I just think it's so cute. I love this idea. And by the way, you know, if you're doing this for your, your man, you got to be with somebody that appreciates it. Like, some men, they think that shit's corny. But I, I think it's cute. Anyway, okay. Um... We see all the time like those mason jars, you know, the putting the ingredients in the mason jars. I really like that idea. Like if you have a big family and you want to get everybody a little something and, you know, whatever, I think it's so cute to like put a hot chocolate mason jar, you know, thing together and make independent labels. Like, you know, you put the the, the, the hot cocoa mixed powder and you put the marshmallows and, you know, whatever else you put in there and jar it up. And I, I like that idea. I, I, you know, and you can obviously do other ones like cookie cookie recipe ones. I've seen them all like all on Pinterest, you know, but I love that because you're giving people something. It's fun. They can really open it and use it. You know, it's fun to put together for you. I love that. Okay. Then the next 
three things. There's three more things. And these, like, all three are my favorite. Okay. Like, and the next one. Okay. This is why it's my favorite. Babysitting. Hello. Are you listening? Are you a grandma or a grandpa? Do you have grandkids or whoever? I don't know. Or how about, do you, do you live in a neighborhood where there's lots of moms, you know, and dads that want to have dates and you celebrate holidays with them? How about babysitting coupons? Oh, my God. That's the best gift in the whole entire world, if you ask me. My mother calls me, what do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? I want you to babysit. That's right. Come to the city, pick up your grandkids, and babysit for the weekend so I can go party for one weekend. You know, not like that happened. You know, sometimes I get to do that. But that's when my daughters are with my ex, not when my mother's babysitting. You know, <laughs> I love that idea. That's my favorite. But the next two, the next two are so good. I should say babysitting, what is that my favorite? It's just the most practical. And it really does save you money. Okay. Two things. Next ones. They both involve food. Put together your own cookbook. I, I, I literally freaking love this. Like, I, ha- I know somebody that did this. They went, into, they went on the computer, Google Docs or Word, whatever. They wrote down all of their recipes. They made a point to, you know, write them all down, keep track of all the things that they make. They, 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 they put a pic, they took pictures of the food, put the picture on, uh, on the page. They print it, like literally, easy. Printed it out, brought it to Staples, got it laminated and bound, and gave out cookbooks of their her recipes, of their recipes, their their family's recipes, <clears throat> to everybody in their extended family, and I thought that was just so cute. And how cute would it be if that was like a family gift? So say you have a big family and it's Christmas time and you all want to do something. Like what if everybody just put together their best recipes and you just did like a book swap? You know, not everybody is going to make a cookbook, you know. But I love it. Okay, the other one that's related to food that this is my all-time favorite is recipes from childhood. So how cool is this idea? Like if if you're <clears throat> a mom and you have maybe older kids or whatever, you know that there's those things that they love that you make. Maybe they're like, oh my God, mom, can't you make our macaroni and cheese? I used to love when you make that, whatever. So basically you write down all your recipes, everything that you've made your kids or, you know, the, the big things that you made the kids when they were young, write them down, put them in a box and give it to them. How Literally, I love this. Like, my mom makes the best meatloaf. I'll share the recipe with you one day. And now I make it. But her meatloaf is so good. It's so good that every year for my birthday, she would ask me what I want for dinner. And I'd say the same thing. The blue plate special. Meatloaf, mashed potatoes, and peas. I mean, not that sophisticated of a meal, but I loved it. And and I think it would be so cute if she wrote down all of the recipes that she made me and my sisters, the family, throughout the years and gave it to all of us. That's just something you could never, that's just a gift that you could never buy. Never buy. Because babysitting, you know, you could pay a babysitter. But is anybody, is anybody going to be able to give you the gift of the, the exact recipes of the meals your mom made? No. No. And by the way, and by the way, if you want to be completely stealthy, go ask your mother-in-law, okay, for all of her recipes that she made for her son, or if you have a long-term boyfriend, ask your boyfriend's mother, how cute, and then you start making him the food. Ah, diamonds forever from him to you, I'll tell you that much. God, they always say that you can get the man through the stomach, you know, I, I believe that. Anyway, okay, so a few weeks ago, a college student wrote to me, and she asked if I had any tips for budgeting money. I think this came off of, uh, you know, some posts I did about ETFs and whatnot on TikTok, and um. I do. So I, I told her, I answered the question very basic. Um, 
in one of the Q&As at the end of the podcast, but I want to get into it a little more, plus share with you guys um, some budgeting apps that I like um, because, I mean, I don't know. We all need to budget unless any of us listening to this are extremely wealthy um, or just wealthy, period. I, I need to budget. I'm sure you do too. So, okay, how I do it, and I, I think I said this when I answered the question, how, how I budget my money is, well, what, how I do my finances, I just have an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, it's, it's, very, it's very rudimentary. You know, I use an app, but I also do this. Uh, I, um, I use an Excel spreadsheet. At the top of the Excel spreadsheet, I have the months of the year. On the left hand of the Excel spreadsheet, I have the bills. You know, Con Edison that in New York, if you don't know, I mean, that's the gas and electric, you know, cable, Verizon, whatever. I have all those bills uh, lined up in the left, you know, on each individual row. I put in the monthly amount, you know, I find the matching cell, you know, oh, June, you know, Verizon, June, you know, whatever, whatever. That's what I do. And that's how every, and I do that every single month. And I also have my credit cards in there. So if I have Visa card, you know, Visa card has its own row on that left side. And, you know, it's good for me because if I'm seeing in June, I spent $30 on my Visa card, but then in September, I spent, you know, $600 on my Visa card. What the F? Where did I go wrong? And I do go look back and look at the bills and all that stuff. That's not necessarily budgeting per se. It's really just me keeping track of all my bills and my money and where it goes and and that kind of stuff. And I recommend that. If you could just get yourself in the habit of, I think it's a very healthy habit. If you can get yourself in the habit when every month you sit down to pay your bills, you also open up an Excel spreadsheet and you're inputting these numbers into a document because it's it's basically saying you're basically saying I'm not only paying my bills which I need to do I am also documenting this stuff and you're getting into a healthy money habit. Um, when I was younger, I didn't do this. I paid you know I had all my stuff on direct debit, so you know whatever. And by the way, some of that stuff I still do, and um, or you know I'd write a check whatever because I'm old enough to have remembered or paying bills when my <laughs> I had to write checks. But, you know, I'd write the check to Verizon. I'd send it off. Or maybe I did an online payment if that was existed then, whatever. But I wasn't keeping track of all this stuff month to month. I knew, well, my cell phone bill might be $80 this month. <clears throat> I know my rent <clears throat> might be $500 this month. Ha! $500 rent month in Manhattan. Hilarious! But anyway, um, <clears throat> I would do it kind of these things in my head. It got me nowhere. I was constantly broke. I mean, I'm probably still broke for all I know, but you know what I'm saying. Like, I, 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 didn't, I wasn't keeping track. I keep track now. So that would be my biggest, that's my biggest tip on budgeting money. But um, I will say that if I didn't do this in my marriage, and I should have, you know, we, we, did, we did money together, but it was, you know, we should have been more, we should have been better at it, right? But I do think, that if you're married, one of my girlfriends does this. Once a month, she sits down with her husband and they have like a family budgeting money talk night. You know, they like get pizza, they sit on the couch, they talk about, you know, all the money. And basically, they just talk about where the, what they spent the most money on this month, um, what are their goals, you know, hey, what do we have in our vacation fund, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think that that's really cute. I really like that, that once a month, like money night with your partner. But, um, yeah, so I like that. So I do the Excel. I have a girlfriend that does this money night. Um, you know, and look, look, the general the general thing is when you're making a budget or you're trying to set some sort of financial plan for yourself, 
You have to just know every month is going to be different, right? Like some months, you know, if you're a mother or have a kid, whatever, some months you're buying back to school supplies, some months you're buying Christmas gifts, you know, some months you're buying, you know, you're paying for summer camp or whatever. So, so when you're budgeting, you know, you always want to keep that miscellaneous line row in your Excel open or whatever and, and pad it with however much you think and obviously put a value against it. Okay, you're going to spend $200 on back to school clothing? Do spend only $200, you know? Um, the most important categories first is another piece of advice I have. So, I mean, obviously, what's the most important categories? I mean, it's, it's, it's your roof over your head. It's your food. It's your, your, your hot water. Um, it's your transportation to work, you know, your, your car payment. Um, so you start with that and then you sort of work up from there. So that's your foundational expenses. Um, obviously paying off any debts. Look, this is really hard. I did recommend a book, um, the Dave, Dave Ramsey total money makeover book. It's a money workbook. I can't recommend that enough because they really do give you tools on how to, how to repay your debt. I mean, look, and at the end of the day, um, what you could pet your, your debt can be a line item, student debt or whatever you have you credit card debt, it could be a line item in your monthly bills. It becomes a fixed expense. But if you don't pay, if you don't have that goal of paying off that debt, if you don't pay that debt or try to pay it as fast as you can, how are you going to really get to the other goals, those bigger goals? Look, and it's like my fucking worst nightmare. Okay, to wake up one day and be 50 years old and have a whole pile of debt and, um, you know, and, and know that like I'm getting older and more tired and, and, you know, I'm going to want to retire. So, Debt is like, oh God, that's just like so important to me. I have like insane debt anxiety, um, you know, oh God. And, you know, the other thing is really this, the Excel, I mean, I can't talk enough about the Excel spreadsheet because the Excel spreadsheet basically just tracks your progress. You can look over it year over year and, and that's it. Um, I also, one of the things that I do is I recommend using one credit card one credit card. So I have multiple credit cards. Okay. I have multiple credit cards. I keep those cards open. I keep them open because if I close them, then that infects your credit score. But I only really use one of them. Now, the one that I use, I'm okay to say it, American Express. Not all places take American Express. Okay. So I will then have to use an alternative card if they don't take American Express or if your preferred card is Discover, whatever, you know, not a lot of places might not take that. So you know, I probably should use, I probably will change. I probably will make my, my main card like Visa or something because that's, you know, pretty much universally accepted. And by the way, Amex isn't accepted a lot of places abroad, I should say. But if you, if you don't cut up your other cards, just use one card because it's so much easier to track your expenses. I also, oh my God, another thing I can tell is I do not, personally, I do not use store cards, store credit cards. And let me say this. I am not a money expert. I've said this before on this podcast. I am just a girl from Staten Island that lives in Manhattan that has a career and has some life experience and yada, yada, and I'm just sharing my pins with you. So you should talk to a financial advisor on, on if you don't really want to get in the weeds on this, but um, these are just my opinions um, that I have developed for myself that I've learned over like hard work and learned through the years, and I also talk to my friends and see what they do and all that kind of stuff. But okay, back to that. I do not use store credit cards. I don't give a fuck if you, Victoria's Secret, are giving me 50% off my entire offer. You are not getting my name and email and, and, and you're not getting my, my information for a credit card. It is not happening. I do not do that because store credit cards have an insane 
um, interest rate on them. You know, if you if you God forbid had to pay late or you were late on your payments, they also um, I just don't like I just don't like them. I just don't like them. They don't have the perks that the other credit cards have. For example, if you have a credit card to Banana Republic and you have an American Express card, and say for some reason. You're using your Banana Republic card, you know, in the store or whatever. But then say at the end of the month, you see like a shady charge on there or something. Um, and you call the credit card company, you know, and are they going to really work tirelessly to try to help you figure out that, that expense that you might think was a fraudulent expense? Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. Now, I'm not saying like no across the board. Some, listen, whatever, maybe some might. But now if you have an American Express that's known for its customer service, right, like they will work tirelessly to help you on a, a fraudulent expense. You know, so like that stuff to me is really important. Um, I, so I, I cannot, like I I applied for one credit card my entire life. It was a store in the mall. I was 19 years old and it was because they told me I was going to get 15% off my order. And that was a lot of money. And it still is a lot of money getting 15% off your order of 100 bucks, whatever it is. But you know what? That shit haunted me for life because I didn't pay the bill like a couple months because I was young and I was stupid and it just made me insane. So I no store credit cards. Okay, so now let, let's get to the good stuff. Um, oh, and I would just say a goal. Have a goal. I have goals. I don't usually hit my goals <laughs> because my goals are big and um, sometimes they're unattainable, which I also don't recommend because that's just like you might as well just be doing something to hurt yourself. I feel like that's masochistic or whatever. But um, have a goal. Is it a beach house? A regular house? Is it a new coat? Sending your kids to some fancy summer camp? You know, I, I think that having, having is it liposuction? Ooh, my favorite kinds of goals. <laughs> um, have a goal. Okay, so, okay, apps. Mint.com is the best one. You probably heard of it. Most people have heard of it. It's free. It's a budgeting app. It syncs all of your bank accounts, all your credit cards, your PayPal, all onto this one platform. And it's a budgeting tool. And it just tells you, it tracks your spending. It just tells you how much you're spending here and there and on miscellaneous. And it's really good. And it's free. There's other apps. Um, I personally do not use... I've tried one of them outside of Mint, but um, these are the apps that I found that I think were really great when I played around with their um, UX UI. Oh, that is digital tech speak for um, user interface and the user experience. Yeah, I know. This is like, that's like my full-time job. Okay. Clarity Money. Clarity Money is an app that tracks your spending and your subscriptions. This app is for also free. So it's free like Mint, Clarity Money. Pocket Guard is another app um, that basically gives you guys a snapshot, like it gives their users or, or you a snapshot on how much we can spend at any given moment. I like that. It's also free. Now you have some other budgeting apps that, look, I don't want to say I'm, I don't recommend anything, especially if I haven't used it personally, but like mint.com is free, okay? Free. And then there's other budgeting apps that you have to pay for. So uh, I'll be careful about that. One of them is Every Dollar. Every Dollar. They basically, uh, their like value prop for their app is like we can we can make our customers have a budget within the first like five or ten minutes. Like that's great. That's great that you're trying to ha- and and oh 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 and it costs if you want to have a uh, be on a plan with them like a premium plan. 
$129.99 a year, $130 a year. So let me tell you something on my thought of that. I do not want to pay for an app, a budgeting app, when I know there's free ones that are just as good. That's the first thing. The second thing is every dollar sounds great. Like we can make a budget super quick. But you know what? Maybe we shouldn't be making our budget super quick every dollar. Maybe we should spend a little more time on our budgets. You know, I mean, that's my personal philosophy. But those are my recommendations. Mint, Clarity Money, Pocket Guard, Every Dollar. Um, those are the apps. I like Mint the best. Lots of people have used Mint. But I also really, really like the Excel spreadsheet room. Okay. So here's an idea for a product. You know, every week I talk about products. Sometimes I do beauty dupes. This is a product that I don't really use as in for its real reasons. So let me tell you what it is. Okay, you know this. Curel uh, body lotion. You know Curel's been around forever. Uh, C-U-R-E-L. It has like that little accent over the L. Like I'm sure there's probably some fancy French pr- Curel. Curel. Some fancy <laughs> pronunciation of it. Curel. The Curel fragrance-free body lotion. It's eight bucks on Amazon. Okay. Let me tell you what I like about this. Here's a trick. You can use it, obviously, um, as a body lotion, and it's great because it's not greasy, and it soaks up into your hands and your skin, and it's a great thing. You can also use Curel, put it on, like, your neckline or your wrists or, um, like, your arms or your back of your neck, rub the lotion in, spray your perfume over it, and guess what? Your perfume will last way longer how crazy is this? This is this is true. This is like a, a makeup artist trick in in the fashion world. I used to i I worked uh, for a few fashion publications a long long time ago, and um, this was one of the things that the that the beauty editors and the fashion editors would do. So basically, um, you put the lotion on; it absorbs into your skin. It's like opening up your pores a little more. And basically, when you spray the perfume over it, that causes the the perfume to break down more slowly, and it sticks around longer. So you smell your perfume for, you know, longer through the night. So like, um, when I go to bed, sometimes I'll put this lotion on, and then I'll put a little spray of perfume on, depending if I have my boyfriend over. And (laughs) and it's nice. It's nice. I smell like perfume through the night. Better than something else. I mean, right? So that's a trick. Curel Fragrance Street Body Lotion, $8 from Amazon, is my pick of the week for this week. Questions from the audience. So um, TikTok question came in from um, one of the girls, and um, I can relate to this. It's, uh, hi, Lise. I'm a single mom, and I'm a newly single mom, and I'm trying to date. What do you ask men when you're dating them as a single mom. Okay. Listen. Dating is dating in my opinion. Dating is dating whether you're regular without children. Whether you you know have a ton of cats and dogs. Or whether you have a, a, a ton of children. Um, dating is dating. And I ask the same normal questions. You know I want to know about them. What they do for their job. With you know their, their religion. Their politics. Where they grew up. What, they, what, didn't, what their favorite foods are. Blah blah blah. But when um, I started dating as a single mom, the questions I thought about, like, what can I, what do I really want to know if I'm really going to be sort of like interviewing, air quotes, potential partners, suitors? Um, so the questions that I ask that I, I recommend, 
or I would ask, I want to know how close they are with their family. So I'd always ask the guy, like, how close are you with your family? You're close with your mom. Like, you know, I'd want to know, like, oh, so you have, oh, you have two brothers and a sister. Oh, that's so cool. Like, are, do you guys get along? Like, would, would, when's the last time you did something together? I like to know that because, you know, look, I mean, I have daughters. So if I am going to date somebody, I want to make sure that they're, you know, close with their own family and their family guy. Um, I also would ask them, how do they feel about commitment? Now, I'm not going to say this on the first, second date like a complete creep. I'm not going to be like, so, date number two, you interested in commitment? What do you think about that? I would never. I would never. But like on the fourth and fifth date, I will say, you know, like, you know, oh, so what are you looking for? And um, does is commitment scare you or are you just trying to like be super casual or whatever? I won't say that right in the up top on the first and second date. And the reason why is because I, I really believe in the air of mystery, you know? So I think that if you're talking about commitment, even asking him the question, I mean, look, guys aren't stupid. If he's asking you, do you, are you interested in how, how, what are your feelings on commitment? You know, it's because he wants to, he's, that's his on his mind, right? Okay. The other two things that I ask is, um, I ask him, what if he has kids? What is his uh, relationship like with his own kids? So, I'll, but I won't say it like so interviewee ish. I'll just basically say, "Oh, you have kids. Oh, so cute. Like, do you, oh, what do you do with them? You guys get along? Like, oh, you know, how is it with the ex? You know, I, I try to talk around the what is your relationship like with your children. But essentially, that that's what I want to know. And then the last question that I always um, make sure I was asking when I was dating as a single mother is uh, why did your marriage or your last relationship end? Because here's the thing. I was just telling this to my boyfriend the other day. And he was he he agreed. At first he begged to differ, of course. But then I think he wound up agreeing. But how the guy talks about their ex is so important. Like, if you, like listen, when I was dating these guys, okay, one guy I was dating, this is a true fucking story. You want to hear a true fucking story? I was dating this guy, okay? I, well, I went on uh, two dates with him. On the second date with him, you know what he says to me? He goes, Elise, I am so happy that you have, t- this is, a, I swear to God, Elise, I am so happy that you have children. I said, why? He goes, because that means you're not going to be looking to have any more children. And I was like, well, that might not be necessarily true, but okay, like, I, cool, whatever. And then I said, but that's so strange. Like, why? And he goes, because when I was with my ex, like my ex, when she was pregnant, she was such a fucking psychopath that like I couldn't go through that again with another woman. And like literally, let me tell you, girls, I was done. D-O-N-E. Done. I stayed for the rest of the meal because I didn't have an emergency call. I didn't have a friend on hand to bail me out of that nightmare. But I could not believe that he was saying when his ex-wife was pregnant she was a psychopath. Like, first of all, why don't you fucking carry around a 10-pound bowling ball for 10 months? Oh, yeah, because pregnancy isn't nine months, guy. It's actually 10 because you're pregnant for nine whole months, a.k.a. you get to the 10th month. Okay, like, I was so, I'm, I'm still, I'm seething right now just thinking about it. How they talk about their ex or their last girlfriend or wife is so important to me because if you are also sitting, I said to my boyfriend, I said, I said, look, I said, if you say, well, I, I was in 10 relationships and all of, them were, all of them were crazy, it's like, oh, really? Were they all crazy or was that you? Because you are the common denominator there, buddy. And he's like, I don't think that's true. I'm like, it is fucking true. Anyway, so that's my thoughts on that. <laughs> no, um, yeah, single mom dating is definitely different. I think, you, like, overall, when I was, when I was um, going out on lots of dates, it was like, well, or lots of 
hideous app dates, I should say, or I was set up a couple times, is um, I'm really more, I'm really way more interested in the family and the kids uh, and then in like big decisions that they made in the past and how did they come to those because that's, uh, that's super important to me. Quote of the day from my idol, the one, the only, Barbara Streisand. Love her. Love her. If you haven't seen Funny Girl, by the way, I totally recommend that movie. I love it. Anyway, here's the quote. Doubt can motivate you, so don't be afraid of it. Confidence and doubt at two are two at... Let me redo this, okay? little blooper here. Doubt can motivate you, so don't be afraid of it. Confidence and doubt are at two ends of the scale, and you need both. They balance each other out. Barbara Streisand. I love that. Because listen, you could be confident to do something, Right? And you could maybe achieve it or not achieve it. But even if you have doubt, like sometimes you're doubting yourself, but then you almost like turn into a game and then you wind up proving yourself that you can do it. So confidence and doubt at, are two at the end of, at, at two ends of the scale and you need both. And I love that quote. Thank you, Barbara. So that's it for today's episode of the Elise DeLucci Show. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, Again, you can find me on Apple uh, Podcasts or on Spotify. You can leave a review if you want. I read them all. And thank you, by the way. I I think I have like 55 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So really, thank you. I'm so appreciative. Um, Stay tuned for next week's episode. And you can find me if you want on Instagram at Elise DeLucci, on TikTok at Elise DeLucci, or at my website, EliseDeLucci.com. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.